What is up, Houdan Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook and Makers Mark, part of the Boot Crew Media Podcast Network. Saints are one and three heading into week five, uh, week four, week five. I'm losing count here. Week five. And they have a pivotal matchup coming up against the Seattle Seahawks. In fact, I think it's a do or die situation for the New Orleans Saints. We'll talk about that, what we need to know going into that game, because I think there are areas of Seattle that can be had. Latest on Alvin Kamara, we'll get to that. Odell Beckham Jr., could we see him in the black and gold? And what's going on with Michael Thomas? All that coming up here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. Like I said before, Saints 1-3, and three, pivotal, pivotal week coming up because you cannot start off 1-4. and four. And I think for the New Orleans Saints... There's a lot of anger right now in the fan base. I'm part of it, I'll be honest. And I thought I think we kind of saw it earlier this week with Latavius Murray. So the, the Denver Broncos ended up picking him up off the Saints practice squad. And look, there's a lot of you know logistics that go into the practice squad and how players get picked up and who can get protected. And it comes down to the fact that Latavius Murray had his choice, right? He chose to go to Denver. Javante Williams out. More opportunity there with Melvin Gordon fumbling four times in four games. So I get that, but there was a lot of frustration from the fan base. And then there was a lot of pushback to that frustration. Like, well, you guys don't know football or you guys don't know the rules or you guys like, that's fine. We can argue all that, right? We can argue about who knows the practice squad rules. And look, I'm going to be honest with you guys. It doesn't matter that I record, you know, episodes on the saints constantly. I can't sit here with a straight face and tell you guys, I know every single rule about the practice squad. I don't, and I'm not going to keep up with all them. I'm just not. But when something like that happens with Latavius Murray, especially when he comes off a week where he had a really good performance, right? 50 plus yards, a touchdown, really just kind of rejuvenated that ground game. It's okay for fans to get frustrated. And I think it's a good thing, right? I think the worst thing in the world will be for Latavius Murray to get picked up and for the Saints to be struggling. And no one cares because then you lost everyone, but you haven't lost everyone. And that's why people are so animated right now. So when I see a lot of pushback and I see people calling out the fan base and, and shit like that, I don't know, it just, it just kind of didn't sit well with me because I think it's okay for people to be frustrated and air out their grievances with this Saints team because they have not lived up to standards unless you thought they were going to be a four-win team because if that's the case, then you're right on schedule. But if that wasn't the case, and let's be real, it wasn't, then you're frustrated with the way this has turned out. So, like I said, Saints-Seahawks, week five, it's do-or-die time. And I will say this multiple times over the next 48 hours, 72 hours. I'm going to say now or never for New Orleans because if they lose this game, I think the season's over. And I know people might say that's a hot take. You still have November and December and the rest of October and so much time, right? I don't think that's the case. At some point, the New Orleans Saints are going to have to win football games. They can no longer rely on the NFC South being bad. They can no longer rely on the NFC being an odd mix of do we trust them or not? It can't be that. At some point, they got to start winning games. And I would throw in there, if the Saints do fall to one and four, and let's say they do lose to Seattle, do you trust Dennis Allen to come out of a one and four hole? I don't. I don't trust him to come out of a one and three hole. I'm going to trust him to get out of a one and four hole. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. So I look at this matchup. You're at home coming off a tough loss in London and the Vikings. It's now or never. It's now or never for Dennis Allen's Saints team. And if they can't right the ship on Sunday against Seattle, then good luck. Good luck when you play the Bengals. Good luck when you play the Ravens. Good luck when you play the Buccaneers again. Good luck when you play the 49ers. Good luck when you play the Rams. It's not going to get any easier than right now. And mind you, even right now is not easy because if we're going to be honest with each other, 
Seattle has looked better than New Orleans has. That's why they're two and two, and New Orleans is just one and three. So I'm I'm not trying to be the guy that says no patience, but I am going to be in this regard that Dennis Allen has coached before in the NFL. Two full years with the Raiders, got canned after an 0-4 start in his third year. He won eight games. Eight games. That, that to me, is not great. And, and I know we've been told that he's learned from his mistakes, and he's got the rest of this season to prove that. But if you start off 1-4 and four, and you look at the schedule, you start looking around, I don't know where the wins are coming from. If you can't figure it out now, I do not know where the wins are coming from later this year. And, that, and that's where I'll leave it at that before we get into what to know about the matchup and who's playing and who's out. And I'm just putting it down from now, man. One and four. And there will be major issues in New Orleans. And I, and I do not want to hear about he gets a year to figure it out. He's had years to sit under Sean Payton. He's had years to think about what he did wrong with the Raiders. And he has a damn good roster. And I know they're banged up, but so is every NFL team. You can't look around the league right now and find me a team that's 100% healthy without flaws. You go look up the Bills and they're having a great time. Cool, Mike Hyde's out for the rest of the year. That's a pretty big loss. There are injuries everywhere in the NFL, so I'm not going to use the injury thing as an excuse. I'm not going to use the quarterback situation as an excuse because I knew damn well what their quarterback situation was going to be before this season even started. They signed up for that. So I'm not going to give a pass, and I am going to put the pressure on this week. Saints have to win. Now, I do believe they will win against Seattle. I want to make that clear. I do think that the the Seahawks, I know they're coming off a win, I do think, though, that New Orleans will find a way in week five, Sunday at home, to win this game. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to put pressure on the head coach. He's got to be better. The team's got to be better. And we see, we'll see we see if they can do that. Now, something I want to talk about that isn't related to the actual game yet, because I do want to talk about Kamara and Michael Thomas and what's the latest on them. Odell Beckham Jr., we heard today Von Miller talking about what's next for OBJ, and he's probably not going to play until November. But until then, you could talk about teams that he might be linked to and teams that were linked to him, teams like the Bills, teams like the Buccaneers, the Giants, the Saints actually cracked the list, which I found quite interesting considering, let's be real, they have not looked too sharp so far. So um, that that is up there. Whether or not he'll visit them soon is TBD at the moment, but we'll see what happens. It, it's interesting that they're on there. I know some people said, hey, do the Saints really need another receiver? My rebuttal would be, I would love to see Odell Beckham Jr. on a trick pass, throw it to a Jarvis Landry or a Chris Olave or Michael Thomas whenever he returns from injury. So we'll just kind of put a pin in that. I don't think Odell ends up choosing the Saints, but hey, we'll we'll keep tabs on him. We'll see what happens. But this idea that the Saints shouldn't add him because they don't need more talent at wide receiver, I'm over that idea. I would add as many wide receivers as you can, and who wouldn't like to see OBJ in the black and gold? But that's neither here or there. Let's talk about Alvin Kamara. It seems like he will be back for this Sunday. Now, he didn't play in week four against the Vikings, and he talked about it, and it's one of those situations that I think we're going to have to do give and take every week. How does Alvin feel? Does he feel good? Okay, cool. He could play this week. If not, forget about it. And that's a tough situation because I think, honestly, with the way rib cartilage injuries work, you're never going to have a definitive timeline. So we're just going to have to see how Alvin feels on week to week. But when he talked about it today, this is what he had to say. Physically, if there's a time where I feel like I can't do that, then I can't be out there. The last thing I want to do is negatively impact the game. Just being all the way healthy and available on Sunday, that's my biggest thing. So that's why, obviously, last week was kind of up in the air, didn't go. This week, I'm feeling great, healthy, ready to roll, so I'm going to be out there. Now, stating the obvious, when I say Alvin Kamara's return would be huge for the Saints, obviously stating the obvious. 
But I want to make it very clear. It's not just because, hey, it's Alvin Kamara and he's, he's coming back and this offensive line is starting to find themselves. I think we have to put, take into consideration how good Alvin's been against the Seattle Seahawks. The last two times he's played the Seahawks, he's torn them apart. 2019, Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback. 69 rushing yards, 92 receiving yards, two touchdowns. 2021, Jameis Winston as a starter, Monday Night Football, 51 rushing yards, 128 receiving yards, and a touchdown. So you could chalk him up for 150-plus scrimmage yards and at least a touchdown against the Seahawks the last two times. He has been really good against them. And the offensive line is going to play a huge factor. I watch this Vikings game. I go back and go look at each game, and I'm seeing holes in the, in the run game that we have not seen before and openings that if Alvin's healthy and he has that boost, we will see him make explosive plays. So I think this is the perfect matchup, not only because he's had a lot of success against Pete Carroll's defense, but the offensive line is starting to find their rhythm, starting to find their identity. You get him back in there. If he is healthy, I think he'll make some splash plays this weekend. And I tweeted it last week. If he was going to play, we might get the Alvin Kamara game we've been hoping for. I think this will be the weekend, assuming he plays, that we do get that special game from number 41. And it also helps that Andy Dalton, who is right now on track to be the starter for this weekend, will probably throw him some screen passes, some checkdowns, things to kind of get him going in the passing game, which we haven't seen in a while. So I think for Alvin, he's definitely arrows trending up health-wise, but I think the arrows also trending up for anyone worried about your fantasy football teams or, hey, will Alvin just get going because I'm a Saints fan looking for some production out of 41. So all that's trending up, and that's great news. What's not great news is the latest on Michael Thomas, toe injury, no official update from Dennis Allen. I'm starting to feel like it's a turf toe injury at this point. I know they haven't provided a lot of details, but it certainly feels that way. And I think with the way Mike's whole foot injury went, the Saints are going to be super cautious. And they should. Receiver, you got Chris Olave in there holding it down. You got Jarvis Landry right now. And I think guys like Traquan Smith and Marquez Callaway have actually done a really good job of being complementary players. And I think that will continue. So I don't think you have to rush him. It's just unfortunate, if anything. He starts off the season strong. You're thinking, hey, Michael Thomas can have that bounce back season, maybe compete for comeback, comeback player of the year. Not so much the case right now. Michael Thomas, not the only one, though, who isn't practicing. Jameis Winston not practicing. I honestly don't think we're going to see Jameis for the next two weeks or so. I think it just makes a lot of sense for them to sit him maybe two, three more weeks and, and get that ankle end back right. They weren't winning games or looking efficient on offense while he was battling through the injuries. And even without him right now, obviously they're not winning games and they're still struggling. I, I just think it's one of those situations. If you're winning football games and he feels comfortable in there, you let him ride, but kind of letting him rest is the go-to move. And you would argue this move should have been made two weeks ago. So uh, I have no issue with the way the Saints are handling Jameis' situation. And with a lot of returning talent this weekend, it makes it easier to sit him because you will have Kamara back. It seems like Marcus May is on track to be back, which, by the way, has been a very under-the-radar storyline so far. Marcus May missing the last two games. Saints' defense has missed him. So him coming back will definitely give them that a little bit of aggressive nature that they need. And, and we've seen them miss a couple of tackles here and there. I think Marcus May will help shore that up. So he'll be back at least on track to Taysom Hill, Andres Pete, Jarvis Landry. They're all limited as well. That's not bad. Peyton Turner and PJ Williams, new additions to the injury report. We'll kind of see if their, their status trends upward over the next two days. But the Peyton Turner situation, also frustrating, right? You're getting so much product production out of Pete Werner. Pete Werner looks fantastic. Adebo is starting to settle into the season after the ankle injury. Well, where's your first-round pick from 2021? 
He's not doing anything at the moment, and now he's hurt. So that is a little disappointing with the way that's played out. But overall, health-wise, I like where the Saints are at this week relative to last week, and they need all the help they get. So let's go into Saints-Seahawks. And if you guys are listening on YouTube and you guys want to drop some comments, uh, and I'll pull them up at the end of the show, as always, we could definitely do that, whether it's questions, topics, predictions, throw them in, and I'll make sure to give you guys your time to shine uh, after we get through things to know for Saints-Seahawks. And what we need to start off talking about is Geno Smith. When you go through the Saints schedule this season, you probably saw the the Seahawks on the schedule circled it as a fairly winnable game, right? Going up against Geno Smith and that Seattle team. You don't know what they're going to be without Russell Wilson. I don't think that the Seahawks are some actual formidable contender in the NFC. I don't. But I want to give Geno Smith his props for the way he's played through the first four weeks, taking what the defense gives him, moving the chains effectively. He's completing 77% of his passes. That's a high mark. I know it's just four weeks. But 77%, man, that is damn good. So Geno Smith has done a good job of getting the ball out of his hands quick, moving the chains, getting it to DK Metcalf, getting it to Tyler Lockett. We're seeing now Will Disley's having a nice bounce-back season. So Geno Smith's done a really nice job, and I think for the Saints, you go into this one, you can't take him lightly. This is a guy who just won NFC Player of the Week, I believe, Offense Player of the Week. There's no doubt about it, man. Geno Smith is legitimately playing the best football of his career right now. And I think when you look at the one game he struggled against the 49ers, the blueprint is there. And I think the Saints have a talented enough defense like the 49ers to make an impact against Geno. So I think that's where the focus goes for sure. I know a lot of people are going to talk about the offense, what they got to fix. And I'll talk about that in a second. But I think the defense has to set the tone early. You can't let Geno in that high-flying offense with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett get going. If you do, that's how you end up in a track meet, like 48-45, to 45, the Lions-Seahawks game this past weekend. But the Saints do not have the firepower, like the Lions do offensively, in my opinion, to kind of have that track meet. So hopefully they can kind of stifle that Seattle offense. And I do think they have the talent to do so. I'd expect Marshawn Lattimore, after the Justin Jefferson matchup, to have a bounce-back performance against DK Metcalf. And that'll be a physical one. Remember what happened last year, Monday night? Those two were going at it. So I expect that to be a really, really fun one-on-one this Sunday. Another thing offensively, and I talked about it before, what can go right? I think this is a game where you're running the football and you are running it early and often, and that's the tone you're trying to set. Now, you can't cough it up because fumbles have been a critical issue with this team. Week one, Mark Ingram. Week two, Mark Ingram. Week three, Alvin Kamara. Week four, Andy Dalton and Deontay Hardy. This team coughs up the football. And I'll say it all day, every day, self-inflicted wounds. That's going to determine whether or not the Saints win this football game. You cannot continue to turn over the football at a high clip and be the second most penalized team in the NFL and expect to win football games. There is no formula where that works. And like I've said a million times, and anyone else that you love to listen talk about the Saints, they will say it a million times. The Saints are 1-3 and and not 0-4 because of one magical quarter. This is a team that has not played great football right now, and a lot of it is self-inflicted wounds. And they could say we're shooting ourselves in the foot or we're just we're going to hit our stride now. I don't want to hear it. I want you to show us. And I hope this is the weekend that they do it because I look at the Seattle defense, 28th against the pass, 29th against the run, giving up 250 plus, 230 plus rushing yards to the Lions. Now's the time, man. Now's the time. Alvin's back. Mark Ingram's supposed to be a serviceable number two. At least that's what the Saints have been telling us for months. Now is the time to get that ground game going, to get that offense going. You're going up against a Seattle defense that has not been good. So I do think that for sure will be a factor. 
And everything will build off that, right? You want to make life easier for Andy Dalton, life easier for your offense and your passing game? Run the football. And I think the Saints offensive line, if you go back and watch that Vikings game, there are moments where you're saying, okay, I think that unit turned the corner. And now they just have to show us again. And if they do, we'll feel pretty good about what they're doing. So that's another thing there. So I'm looking at this run offense. Can they get it going? I think they should be able to. If they don't, something went terribly wrong. Something went terribly wrong if the Saints can't run the football this Sunday. And, you know, defensively, I talked about slowing down Geno and DK Metcalf and Marsh on that battle. The sleeper, when you go through Seattle's team, has been Rashad Penny. And I was looking at the numbers. Seattle is 2-0 this year when Rashad Penny averages five yards a carry or more. Now, that seems like a no-brainer stat, right? Five yards a carry is tremendous in the NFL. The league averages around four. That is great, but the fact that they're 2-0 and 0-2 and when he doesn't, they want to establish the run. I talk about the Saints getting to the run game early and often. Seattle wants to establish a run with Rashad Penny, and I think what we've seen from the Saints the last couple of weeks is inconsistency against the running back. We've seen it time and time again. One week, they struggle against Cordero Patterson. The next week, they do really well against Leonard Fournette. The week after that, they struggle against Christian McCaffrey. Then you look at the Vikings game, Dalvin Cook, only uh, 70-plus yards on 20 carries, up and down, up and down. Now, this is the week. Do you break the cycle of bad week, good week, bad week, good week, or do you finally string some good weeks together on the defensive line in the run game? And I think that'll be interesting to see if that's what they're able to do. So that's another factor that I'm looking at. So Geno Smith, of course, you want to slow him down and slow down DK Metcalf, but Rashad Penny seems to be the secret sauce right now in Seattle with them being 2-0 when he has five yards a carry or more. And if you're the Saints, you know you have to stop that. You got to make sure you don't have a repeat of week one or week three because those were those tough games against the ground. So that falls on the D-line. That falls on guys like Cam Jordan. That falls on Davenport. That falls on the Shy Tuttles and the David Onyamadas and the Catavia Streets. And of course, Demario and Pete Werner. But they seem to be the two constants. And I don't expect them to have bad performances. So we'll kind of see what happens there. Now, for the rest of this, I will bring up comments and predictions and thoughts. If you guys have any, of course, just bombard them in the chat uh, and I will get to them. But I will finish off the Seattle thing by saying this. I look at this game. I see Vegas had the Saints favorite early, like four and a half. And it seemed weird, but you got to remember Vegas does not make mistakes. And I do think a lot of people believe this is a game where if the Saints are ever going to write the ship, it's this one. And forget about, you know, what we think, right? Because I think when you're when you're watching every Saints game, it's hard to be optimistic right now. It, it is hard. They have not earned the right to have their fan base be optimistic. But I do think that there is a window here for the Saints for all the reasons I just mentioned and the fact that I just think they're strictly on paper a more talented team than Seattle. I think that they will rise to the occasion here and I do think they will win. And if they do lose... Man, I'll, I'll be ready to go with probably my most passionate rant in a long time. I think this is it for Dennis Allen. You want people to get off your back for a couple of weeks? you got to win this game. And I think New Orleans will. I think Andy Dalton has another week to settle in. I think the Saints offense will finally have a decent game. I'm not saying they're going to light up the scoreboard. I think a decent game in terms of efficient quarters. Not one good half because that's all they've been doing. I think they will see them kind of piece it together. And I don't care if they win by 20 or two, just win the game. I talked about that on Twitter earlier this week with a couple of people who I enjoy talking with. 
And they were like, man, they don't have to just win. They got to play great and they got to win by a lot. Forget about, about all that. The Saints just need to get back in the win column. I don't care by how much. That's all that matters. So with that said, guys, let's see what you guys have cooking up for us here in the comment section. And of course, as always, uh, our fan-generated comments is presented by Neutral Vodka Seltzer. Real vodka, real juice, professionally simple, tasty, and uncomplicated. Neutral, the official seltzer of the Straight Up Saints podcast and Boot Crew Media. And the first comment we're going to pull up here, happy to see Olave not on the injury report after the bone bruise. I actually thought that as well, and I found it very weird that not a lot of people talked about that. Not a lot of people mentioned, hey, like Olave was shaken up on that final drive of the game, and he was actually shaken up twice. He was shaken up early in the game when he took that hard hit and he went in the tent and people thought maybe he was getting checked for a concussion. And then he had the, you know, getting hit in the leg on that throw that Andy Dalton made late in the game to get them in field goal range. And he seems fine, which is great. And uh, that's the perk of being a rookie, right? Your body probably feels a lot faster than these guys that are five years, seven year, 10 year vets. Steven says, I know it's not pertinent to the Seahawks game, but what are your thoughts on Von Miller's comments today about OBJ? Yeah, look, I think, it's 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 nice, right, to know that OBJ is even considering the Saints, and that's someone that's on his list. But I think if you want to be in that that conversation and you want a chance at getting OBJ, you got to start winning football games, right? Because although Beckham, I know he's got that ring now, so there's no urgency to necessarily, you know, chase a ring. But if you're Odell Beckham, you want to play for a winner right now, and the Saints have not shown that they're a winner. So outside of Jarvis Landry and the hometown connection, there's not many selling points. The Saints have to work to make more selling points. And luckily for them, Odell Beckham is not going to play until November. So they're going to have four weeks now to get their shit together. And if they do that, then they look like a more attractive landing spot. But if the question is, do I think that it's, you know, I, I would like to see OBJ on the Saints? The answer would be yes. I know a lot of people like to say, hey, this, they got receivers now. They have receivers and the receivers are better than last year, which is not hard to, to do. But they could still use more explosive playmaking, right? Deontay Hardy has not done much this year. Michael Thomas is currently injured. Jarvis Landry has not done much since week one. Not saying that's his fault, but he just hasn't. So if you can add an explosive playmaker like an Odell Beckham, who we saw in the playoffs was outstanding, sign me up. I would be for that every day of the week. So uh, I would honestly love to see him in the black and gold. Do I think he's going to be in the black and gold? My answer would be no to that. But it, it's it's something that it's worth looking at, worth considering. And if he really has interest, sign me up. Steven asks again, how do you feel about the Saints um, using how they've used Landry? Look, Landry's situation is odd. I, I'm going back. He's not creating as much separation as I thought he would. The, the Falcons game is not an anomaly, though. I just think it's the benefit of having Jameis Winston's arm. You get to open up the offense a little bit more, more deep routes for Jarvis Landry. But Michael Thomas also isn't in right now. And I think the London game, I'm not saying it's an anomaly, but I would be shocked if Jarvis Landry has that that poor of a performance again in terms of the numbers. I think that that, that will change. I think we'll see more out of him. But they really didn't use him all that effective, right? They had that lame wide receiver screen that didn't work. So I think that they will figure it out for him. And, and I think we'll see this week against the Seattle defense that is 28th against the passing attack. I think that we will see Jarvis Landry improve. But I am a little, I am a little worried, though, that have we kind of seen the best of them already in week one? I think it's possible because that was a damn good game against had against the Falcons. But I want to wait. I want to see this week, another week with Andy Dalton, getting used to that connection. How does that work? Because remember, his best chemistry was with Jameis Winston. Caden says, AK is what makes this offense go. Got to find a way to get him the ball. 
Absolutely right. When you think of the Saints, when they're always at their best, 2017 times in 2018, even times in 2020, right, with that dink and dunk offense, Alvin killed it. And Kamara, prior to the regular season, a lot of people are talking about how great he looks. There's burst, and, and he seems like he's found an extra step. We haven't seen it yet, unfortunately. And that's strictly because of injuries, right? Week one against Atlanta, banged up, and then they have to abandon the run completely because they're down so much. Week two, he's banged up. Week three, comes back, but still banged up. Week four, doesn't play because he's banged up. It's just derailed by this injury right now. But I do 1,000% agree with you, Caden, in the idea that this offense is going to be a good offense, or at least a serviceable offense. Alvin's got to get going, and they got to go out of their way to make sure that Alvin's going. Like, I think that's one thing that I love about certain teams. They feed, even at times force feed, their best players. You go back and watch that Vikings game. The Vikings predetermined from the jump that Justin Jefferson was going to get a lot of targets, whether you liked it or not, whether you tried to stop it or not, or whether you even did stop it or not, they were going to force feed him the ball. 10 receptions, a rushing, uh, a rushing attempt for a touchdown. They got Justin Jefferson involved early, and they got Justin Jefferson involved often. And that was against Marshawn Lattimore. They said, be damned the matchup. We're going to get him the ball. And I like when teams do that. And I think for the Saints, if Alvin feels good, you got to do it. You got to do it. Just force feed him if you have to. Get it involved early and stop the in-between-the-tackle stuff. Use him what he's great at. Don't use him like a traditional running back because he's not a traditional running back. He's a lot more than that. Steven asks, any moves you think they need to make before the deadline? Look, I, I think it's... Right now, if you're asking me, I don't think the Saints are in any position to be a seller. And I don't know what they necessarily need that they can't find on their roster outside of quarterback because you know how I feel about the quarterback situation, whether it's Dalton or Jameis. It's not a great situation right now. It doesn't mean you can't win games with a good balanced offense, but they don't have a balanced offense right now. So it kind of heightens that weakness. But moves that they can make at the deadline, look, I think the secondary can use a little bit more playmaking, but they might get that back with Alante Taylor when he's back from the MCL spring. I think they can use a little bit of an upgrade at left tackle. They might get that back with Trevor Penning. So I think there are times where they can address it via their own roster with guys getting healthy. Defensive line. I think Malcolm Roach returning should help out the run game, give them a little bit more pressure from the interior. And even then, right, I don't think that there is going to be a defensive lineman that you can just pick up off the streets or pick up via the trade market that are going to go out there and just elevate this team. I don't know if the Saints are in the market for it, and I don't know if they're in the market to be getting rid of picks right now because I think they're going to need each and every one of them with the way this season's played out so far. Look, that could change. My opinion on this whole situation could alter. But I think right now, I don't really see who the guy is that they need to go get. If anything, you can maybe pick up someone in free agency. Dominic and Sue is willing to play for you. And that maybe shores up a little bit of the defensive line. But I just don't know if there's a mark, a trade candidate out there right now for the Saints. Caden says, this is the biggest game of the year, in my opinion, especially with this gauntlet coming up after. Must win. No doubt about it. Said it earlier, and I'll keep saying it again. This is the, this is the season for the Saints. You start off 1-4 and four going into a slate of Bengals, Cardinals, Raiders, Ravens. That is tough. And it, it does not end there. I wish I could tell you that it ends there, but it does not end there for the Saints. You think after I mentioned the Ravens, it ends, but at Pittsburgh, look, that game doesn't look daunting, but it's still at Pittsburgh. You play the Rams, you play the Niners, the Bucks. That, that doesn't get easier. The Browns with Deshaun Watson, schedule does not open up for this team in, in a positive way. How do you feel about Pete's play calling last week? I thought it wasn't a problem. Yeah, I agree. Look, there were some minor, like just nitpicking issues. 
I think they could have used Taysom Hill more, but I can say that about every game this year that I think Taysom Hill should get a couple more rushing attempts, maybe two, three more, kind of just get this offense going. So I would like to see that a little bit. And there was just one play that really ticked me off. It was the screen pass to Jarvis Landry because Deontay Hardy was one of their lead blockers. That just makes no sense to me. I reversed it around. Deontay probably should be the one getting the screen pass and Jarvis blocking. But again, that, that's nitpicking. But I thought the offense game planning wise, that was the best it looked through the first four weeks. And part of that is learning from the mistakes. And the other part of it is, I think with Andy Dalton, they're having a little bit more of a game manager style offense than you would with the Jameis Winston. How will the defense combat the Seahawks when they use multi-tight end sets? Yeah, look, that, that's, that's, a great, that's a great question, Susumu. And I, I think for the Saints, you know, you look at what they've done this year. They've gone up against decent tight ends. We've seen Irv Smith, obviously, in the Minnesota game. Uh, we saw Kyle Pitts in the Atlanta game. Both games, they shut them down. Irv Smith only 20-plus yards. I believe Kyle Pitts had like 18 yards. The Saints have done a good job against tight ends. To your point, though, Seattle is, is very unique right now where they have three capable tight ends. And I think for New Orleans, what is going to help them in terms of the passing game is the fact that they really do put out multiple DBs. And with Marcus May coming back, whether it's Justin Evans being the extra DB, whether it's maybe a newly signed Chris Harris being the extra DB, whether if he's healthy, P.J. Williams being the extra DB, I think that the Saints will have moments where they have maybe six defensive backs on the field. And that would be, my, in my opinion, the way of combating it. Now, how do the Saints, in terms of they have them out there blocking or, or play action pass, what goes on there? I, I like to see it because I've seen at times the Saints struggle against rollouts and play action passes. So I think for Seattle, that, that's kind of what you might be targeting. But in terms of opening the pass and it's a clear passing situation with multiple tight ends out there, I think the Saints feel pretty good about what they have and what they can match up against that, against that unit. But I, I have to give Seattle credit. That is a really good tight end group. Who that nation asks, got to use more, uh, got, not ask, says, got to use more play action. Yeah, look, I, yes and no, right? I, I think play action works super effective when Jameis Winston's there because that is Jameis Winston's bread and butter. But with Andy Dalton right now, I don't know if it's as much of a need as much as, man, let's just get this run game going first and then build everything off that. But since I've been a big proponent of got to run the football, got to run the football, then yeah, I, I do think that you got to mix it up a little bit more, get more play action passes in there. But it's not something that I watch this game right now and I say, man, that, that's what the Saints are missing. I think the Saints are missing the ability to just have a couple of early drives, right? I mean, every drive early in this season, first quarter, just nothing, nothing moving. And when they do move, like we saw with a screen pass to Mark Ingram, gets called back an eligible man downfield. So I think my main concern is is just getting out of that rut. And, and I think running the football will be the key, but building the play action off, that's not a bad idea. Who that nation also says the 49ers are doing what we thought the Saints would be doing, letting defense win games, minimal mistakes, minimal mistakes on offense, average quarterback getting the ball to playmakers. Yeah, look, I've always thought when the Saints decided to go with this team this year, you know, really talented on defense, better playmakers on offense, not a great quarterback situation, but serviceable. I said the four, you know, I thought the 49ers were the blueprint. And we saw it last year with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo was not great. 20 touchdowns, 12 picks, not anything to write home about. But they got to the NFC Championship game off the strength of their defense and getting the ball to their playmakers and letting them make noise in space. Whether it is Debo Samuel, who is exceptional, or Brandon Ayuk, who's emerging, or George Kittle, who we know is at all world tight end. I, I think that the Saints right now. 
I wish Michael Thomas and Alec Kamara were both healthy so we can see if they can follow a similar blueprint because I know the defense is going to give you three quarters of great football. Three quarters of great football you will get out of the Saints defense. There's no doubt. We've seen it every single week. They're going to do their thing. Offensively, though, they hit this, this rut where they just stall and stall and stall. And I'd like to see if they had both healthy. And this week, it seems like Alvin will be the one that's active, not Mike. And at the very least, getting one of them back will help. I want to see if they can follow that. So I agree wholeheartedly with you. I think that is the blueprint for this Saints team because you are not a team that can say, hey, we got a Josh Allen or Mahomes lead us to victory. You don't have that luxury. I think that is the blueprint. Susumu writes, I fear uh, Chris Olave. He projects to feast against the Seahawks secondary unless we'll unshadows him. Yeah, look, Chris Olave has, I know it's just four weeks, but he has almost become one of those rookies where you feel like he's quarterback proof because balls out with Jameis Winston. Andy Dalton comes in. Still has a really good game, right? 60-plus yards and touchdown. And I go back and I look at the games with Jameis at quarterback, specifically week two, and I look at week four with Andy Dalton at quarterback. They both missed him multiple times when he's open down the field. And I can argue if Chris Olave was correctly targeted, precisely targeted, when he's open down the field, he'd have close to 450 receiving yards right now, maybe more. He is creating separation easily. And I, I think that this will be another week where he can showcase that skill set against the Seattle secondary that could be had. And I think it's going to be a battle. And I would love to see if, if, if Woolen and Olave go at it because who wouldn't want to see two 2022 draft picks this early in their career kind of clash? I think that's great for the game. So I think Olave is going to do it again. And whether it is almost 100 yards or a touchdown or maybe both, I think we'll have another big game. He is really... Impress me. Whatever my expectations were for Olave, and they were pretty high, he's, in my opinion, he's on track to exceed them by a good margin. Caden writes, what are your thoughts on the Chris Harris Jr. signing and what his role could look like? Well, I, I tweeted it when it happened, and I was serious. If this, if this news happened five years ago, I'd be jumping for joy. I loved watching Chris Harris, man. One of the better slot corners of his generation. Uh, I think of the 2010s, right? One of the best slot corners. Super Bowl champ, former All-Pro, perennial Pro Bowler uh, from that mid-teens, uh, 2010s. He was great. Now, he is no longer great, and that's a, there's a reason why he's been on the market. But I think when you look at Bradley Roby struggling, and you know that Alonzo Taylor's still a ways away, I don't think it hurts to go get Chris Harris Jr., put him on the practice squad, let him sit there for a couple weeks, get acclimated with the system, and see if he's got any gas left in the tank. It doesn't hurt. It does not hurt. A veteran, too, for the locker room. There, there are, in my opinion, there are never negative you know, factors to a move like this because you're not spending much, you're not expecting that much, and you're literally just seeing if you can just squeeze out a little bit more extra juice. And if you can do that, that makes a defense that's already impressive even better. So th that's kind of my thoughts on it, Caden. It's one of those... No risk, not low risk, no risk, potentially mildly pleasant reward type of signings because Chris Harris Jr., he's had interest in the Saints before. He's been linked to the Saints in the past. When he signed with the Chargers in 2020, he was considering the Saints, decided to go to Los Angeles. I'm not expecting much here, but Roby has struggled and Alante Taylor is still a couple weeks away. So get Chris Harris in there, get more acclimated with the playbook. See if he has anything, any gas left to take. That's kind of the strategy here. Steven says, what are your honest expectations for a healthy Jameis when he returns? 
Look, it's tough to say, right? I, I will say this, and people, I don't want this to get mixed up as, as not thinking someone can get the job done, but I don't think the Saints have their quarterback of the future on the roster. I know that's not the question, but I, I strongly believe that. What I don't believe, though, is that the Saints can't win games with either quarterback right now. I think the Saints can. I think the Saints have playmakers. I think the Saints have a good defense. They can win with one of these two quarterbacks, but one of these two quarterbacks has to, A, avoid turnovers, and B, just keep the offense on schedule. What I loved about Andy Dalton last week were those passes to a Mark Ingram, to a Latavius Murray, to an Adam Trauman, who we finally heard his name. Those short, get yourself in rhythm too. Like, you know, it, it is boring at times seeing short passes. I get that. But A, it keeps the chains moving. And B, it gets you in a rhythm. I think when you're always looking for the home run play and you're not hitting it early on in the game, how do you expect to get in the rhythm? You got to complete some passes to kind of get your footing underneath. So, when Jameis does return, and he will return and start at some point, I think it's only inevitable. I'd like to see him revert back to what we saw last year. That doesn't mean that Jameis Winston has to just be a quarterback that takes no, no chances. Because I don't think that you can win with him taking zero chances. But I think you have to watch teams that play with game managers and how, that, how they operate. Because I think that's how the Saints should operate. The, the scary idea for a New Orleans offense for this year would be Jameis as a game manager with the added threat of, Hey, he can throw over the top of you at any given moment. That's what should be the, the game plan. And it hasn't been, unfortunately. So that would be my honest expect expectations. I think that you'll probably see a lot of what you saw in the Atlanta game, a lot of good and a lot of stalling. That would be my honest expectations. If you had told you what I expect, what I'd like to see though, and what I think is possible He's reverting back to last year with a couple more explosive plays because you do have Chris Olave. You do have Jarvis Landry. You do, fingers crossed, have Michael Thomas back. So th that would be my expectations for when he does return, my optimistic side. But my realistic side would be, I think, more of the Falcons game of that inconsistency. But I don't think you will see him play as bad as he did against Carolina or Tampa Bay on a consistent basis if he takes the proper rest. Because, look, Jameis is who he is, and there are throws he makes that... He, he thought he should make that throw, but he could not move in those two games. And I, and I think that did play a big factor because his mobility uh, is a sneaky attribute that he does have. Alexis says, looking forward, uh, looking forward, do you expect James to be QB1 next season? I, you know, I'm going to say no right now. And that doesn't mean my opinion of that can't change. I, I just think if Dennis Allen gets another year, I don't know if Dennis Allen wants to hang his last season on the shoulders of James Winston. Now, I don't think that's necessarily fair because to blame this season on Jameis Winston entirely would just be stupid. But I, I think if Dennis Allen, let's say, has a bad year, right? Let's say the Saints go 7-10, and 10, they miss the playoffs. I can't see how they, they run it back with Jameis as their starting quarterback because injuries aside, they know that they need to upgrade there. And I think when the Saints went after Deshaun Watson in the manner they did, they kind of told you, Jameis is a guy that we like, we don't love him. And everyone, you know, sees that. I know people always make those analogies about relationships and whatnot, but it's a true thing, right? When you, when you like something, you don't love it necessarily. I don't, I don't anticipate him being the QB one next season, but here's the beautiful thing about this sport. Jameis Winston has until the end of the year to prove everyone else wrong. I don't know if he will, but he has that opportunity. But I, I, as of now, I would imagine DA next year will be in that, Hey, should he be the coach or not situation? And I don't think that he wants that all riding on Jameis Winston. He wanted it riding on Deshaun Watson, but he didn't, he didn't get what he wanted uh, in that situation. 
Lou writes, I strongly believe we have to do whatever it takes to get a QB in this upcoming draft. I know we did not have a first-round pick, but we have to figure it out. This team outside of health uh, does not need much. Yeah, look, I said it so many times. When the Saints got that that second first-round pick, I was like, go for a receiver and take Kenny Pickett. And I don't know if Kenny Pickett's going to be good. I really don't. I know he threw three picks against the Jets. Everyone's going to get up in arms about, about that. But I just wanted the Saints to have a QB, a young QB, who you invested in, that there's hope. Because that, that's the beauty of having one of those guys, right? Like Pittsburgh season right now, they're one and three. They're in a mess similar to the Saints. But they have that glimmer of hope that, you know, we could be bad this season. But what if Kenny Pickett looks good? And now for the rest of the next 10 years, we have our franchise guy. There's a beauty to that. There is a beauty to that. The Saints don't have that luxury now. Your hope is, can Jameis come back from injury? And can Jameis be good? But if Jameis is not good, then you have to chalk it up to unfortunate Jameis is who he is at this point. And now you're back on the quarterback market with not a lot of cap space and no first-round pick. That's really tough. That said, you said they have to find a way to get a QB. They could have a high second-round pick and end up moving into that first round. Maybe an Anthony Richardson out of Florida. Maybe a Jaron Hall from BYU. Maybe a Tanner McKee from Stanford. You know, I think the the window for a C.J. Stroud or a Bryce Young or a Will Levis, I, I think that one is going to get slammed shut. But maybe one of those quarterbacks is someone that they'll consider. I'm not going to go totally into it yet. I have not put on my draft hat yet because, man, that would be depressing as hell in, you know, what is it, October 5th to start talking about the draft already. But it, it is a question to pose that what are the Saints doing after this year at quarterback? First off, they keep losing games. It just continues to seem worse. And second, they don't exactly have the funds right now to go get one. Steven says, would you like to see if Chicago would trade Fields? Um, I'm going to be honest about this Justin Fields situation. I do think Justin Fields has been damaged by a bad situation. No receivers and back-to-back head coaches that I don't think are head coaches. Matt Nagy, we know he's not a head coach. And I don't think Matt Eberflus is a head coach. And I think the, the way you aid a young quarterback is getting him a offensive-minded coach who knows how to fix that position. I loved that the Jaguars went after Doug Peterson. I absolutely loved it. And nothing about this year for the Jaguars matters other than Trevor Lawrence looking good. And guess what? Trevor Lawrence has looked better. And in the process, the Jaguars are 2-2 two and two through four games, which is much better than they were last year through four games. So I love to see that. So when, when I see things like that, where I see the Jets, you know, drafting Elijah Moore, drafting Garrett Wilson, drafting Brees Hall, drafting Michael Carter, surrounding a Zach Wilson with talent. And if he struggles and you know it's the quarterback, not the supporting cast, that's what you're supposed to do. The Bears have failed Justin Fields in that regard. No receivers. His running backs hurt. No legit tight end. No legit offensive line. No mastermind play caller behind it all. I don't know how he's supposed to succeed. That said, I think the Bears with the way they call their games, are telling you they don't think Justin Fields is any good. Now, that doesn't mean they're right, because they might be the idiots in all this. But he's completing 50.7% of his passes. They're running the football a lot more than they're throwing it. And I think that, look, if Fields was available, you take a flyer on it. It, it can't be for much, though. It, it, can't be, it can't be costing them a second-round pick. I would have no issue with them taking a flyer. But I do think that Fields needs a lot of work. And I don't think the Saints have the head coach to fix him is the, is the problem. If Sean Payton was around, hell yeah, man. Sign me up for that idea, right? Sign me up for Justin Fields coming to New Orleans. And, and you know Sean Payton loves those restructuring, 
revival pro- uh, projects, I think he would hit it off with Justin Fields. I don't know if Dennis Allen could be that guy. It's a fun question, though. It's absolutely a fun question. Connor says, I'm going to be honest. This is a must game, must win game or it's over. Connor, preaching to the choir, man. I was talking about it earlier in the show. I will not have any more patience with this Saints season. They got to win this weekend or I'm done talking about what they can do if the rest of the NFC falters. I'm done talking about the NFC South is not that good this year. No, if you start one and four, you're a bad football team. You are not making the playoffs. And you have to have a serious conversation about whether or not the right guy is leading the building. Because to your point, Sean Payton with this Saints roster would be better than one and three right now. Because I know Sean Payton with a lesser roster last year was two and two. And then found a way to get that to five and two. That that is all the vindication you need in the world. And honestly, it should be a telling sign anyone that wants Sean in the offseason. Look at where the Saints are right now and look what they were last year with no Michael Thomas, with no Jarvis Landry, with no Chris Olave, with a lot of missing parts on offense. They they were able to start five and two before shit hit the fan. And even then, shit hit the fan and they finished with nine wins. So I do agree with you. I think Sean would have a, a at least a three and one record right now. Alexis says, I think this Sunday's game is for the season. I said from the start that we should have went after an offensive-minded head coach. Um, yeah, look, I'm for offensive-minded head coaches. I wanted Dayball or I wanted uh, McDaniel when the Saints, when this whole Payton was stepping down thing happened. But I knew it wasn't going to be a thing because Sean, it's called what it is, made his decision late. So McDaniel was committed. Dayball was committed. And the Saints don't, look, the Saints, there is that luxury of, you know, New Orleans is a great sports city and they have a good roster and there's tradition here. But a young coach, there is that scary task if you go into a team with a bad cap situation and, and being the guy after Sean Payton, who wants to deal with that? So that is scary. But I always thought DA was going to get the job. I think we always, I think we all did, right? We all kind of thought that DA would get the job, whether it was right or wrong. But I, I don't disagree with you. I wanted an offensive-minded head coach. I still want an offensive-minded head coach. I think this NFL is moving towards offense at a rapid rate, and the only way to really keep up with that is having an offensive coach of your own. So I do think the Saints are lacking in that capacity. But we'll see. I, DA, you don't win this weekend. The seat's warming up if it's not already hot. Carl says, could the Saints run a hurry-up offense to help them get things going? You know, that's a fun topic, right? I actually talked about it over the week, uh, or earlier this week, actually, with Jordy Holberg, and we were saying, start up tempo, maybe? Uh, it seems to be second half, up tempo, getting things going, and you got to wonder, why don't you start off up tempo and figure it out? But look, I don't know if the pace is everything, though. I, I think the, the penalties are worse than anything. If you go back and look at the way they started against the Vikings, they thought they had momentum going. They got that early screen pass to Mark Ingram, and it gets called back. So... That That is something, the self-inflicted wounds is the bigger concern. But I don't disagree with you, Carl, at all. I, I think the idea of going up-tempo is actually very intriguing. Steven says, Bianca or Leftwich always interested me personally. I loved the idea of Byron Leftwich. The only reason, and I'm not out on Eric Bianca, the only reason I'm hesitant about Eric Bianca is the Saints aren't the only team passing up on Eric Bianca. The Texans, the Broncos, the Dolphins, all these other teams are passing up on him. So it's not just the Saints, so I can't just blame the Saints. Now, Byron Leftwich, he intrigues me, man. Former quarterback, everyone speaks highly about him. Really hits it off with Tom Brady. I thought he was going to get the Jags job before they went to Doug Peterson. I spoke to Bruce Arians earlier this year. He thinks Leftwich is getting a job after this year. I don't necessarily disagree with him. Leftwich is intriguing, very intriguing. 
Also, you'd poach him from a Tampa Bay team. Not a bad idea. Now, it's it's a pipe dream at this point, and I don't think that's going to happen. But Leftwich is a very, very intriguing uh, you know, head coaching candidate. Connor says, at least we have the Pelicans. Yeah, you know, I was talking about this with the Buku Media guys yesterday. I am so happy for Pelicans fans, man, because you, you've been going through shit for the last four weeks with the Saints. Going through hell, I should say. And now the excitement of Zion's back and Ingram's obviously in place and McCollum's here for the long haul. And Willie Green, we talk about, you know, Sean Payton and, and him leaving and how much that really stings. The Pelicans are on the, on the flip side now of getting to enjoy having that innovative young coach who comes in and you feel that culture change immediately, which you do feel with Willie Green. And I, th- I th- just think that's so awesome. So while I am not personally a diehard Pelicans fan, again, I, I grew up in New York, so uh, I do have a soft spot for the Knicks. Granted, the Knicks don't deserve to win anything with the way they run stuff. Uh, I will be very supportive of the Pelicans. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with uh, my love for Zion. I, I really did appreciate watching him in, in college. But more importantly, Willie Green, you see the culture change. So uh, I'm, gl- I'm so happy for you guys because we're sitting here as Saints fans talking about, man, you know, Sean Payton, you got to find a way. You know, is DA going to be that guy? And if not, who is going to be that guy to restore that winning brand? Pelicans found their guy. And that's a beauty because they're going to have him for a long time. But uh, without further ado, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. Saints Seahawks this Sunday in the Dome. I'll try to have an update on Twitter as to how I'll recap the game. I do have a wedding after, and that is a little complicated as to figuring out what, you know when the reception is, when the game finishes, do I stream on the drive to the reception hall? I'll figure it out. There will be a recap podcast anyway. Just have to figure out the logistics of everything before that. Without that being said, though, Saints-Seahawks must-win game. I do think the Saints will win, and if they don't, we have a lot to discuss here on the Straight Up Saints podcast, the destination for the Houdat Nation. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.